Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Sophie Schmidt here in Santa Monica. I uh, just wanted to give you a shout out. Thanks for all the support. Uh, I do see all your social media stuff towards me and I really appreciate it. Take care. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the 30th episode of the Women's Show and I think that's probably the best introduction we've ever had, isn't it? <laughs> I just want to let you know, Adam, that I got rid of every single scruple that I had, every ounce of dignity pride i it took for me to ask her to do a shout out for you so i'm i'm done i have nothing left <laughs> but that's really cool that she did that right hey that it is it's awesome and that's just a little snippet we've got a lot more from sophie to come later on the show but yeah i mean it's it's great isn't it she's obviously can we start can we officially call her a friend of the show i mean she's now the first player that we've had that both of us have interviewed and she gets a lot of coverage so i think it's fair to say that we could be her her show of cho- uh, show of choice yeah if you want to replay that right now i suggest you just hit replay and listen to it again because that's i mean that is that that took a lot for me to ask her to do that and then that should she was like i'm so great about it it's worth another listen i think i know you're going to listen to it at least like 20 20 more times, at least? When I get round to it, I, I shall make that my wake-up call on my phone, you know. <laughs> Hi, Ellen Barlow, if I make that as my uh, alarm on my phone, it'll get me up in the morning, won't it? It sure will. And well, we have a full, yes. uh, I have a full interview with her, and, uh, and also John Herdman, and he tells us a, a little bit about what he thinks about Sophie Schmidt, too, so. But yeah, you're not, you're not in LA at the moment, are you? You and your entourage are um, hitting the um, casinos and strip clubs and bars. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Of, of um, Las, Las Vegas, aren't you? So you're coming to us live from Las Vegas. Live from Las Vegas, Nevada, straight from the desert. So if we're breaking yep. up a little bit, you know, I think we're sounding okay, though, right now. Sounds good. Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. <laughs> and if we're not, just hit the replay button and listen to Sophie again, all right? <laughs> Well, um, first of all, Adam, how you doing? You okay? Uh, yeah, I, I'm fine. I'm, you know, better for seeing you. You know, um, it's been an awkward week, hasn't it, getting this together? But I think we're just about there now. Yeah, I I just needed to to take off a little bit, you know, because last week I was kind of annoying the Canadian soccer guy over there because <laughs> they came to Southern California, so I wanted to get as many interviews as I could and was able to go in and see one of the closed door matches between Sweden. And uh, so, you know, after that, I was a little drained and kind of tight. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll just go to Vegas. Well, yeah, stuffing. And you had Thanksgiving, so you were busy stuffing your bird and everything, weren't That's you? Right. Yeah. So we got some interviews for you. And uh, also, and then you just came back from uh, London, too, last week, too, right? Uh, yes, that was last week. Uh, we did the uh, England versus the Germany game. Uh, got quite a bit to say about that. Not all of it good. Some of it good. The majority of it a bit meh. But um <laughs> But we'll find out, won't we? Uh, first of all, before we start the show, I've, I just I have some bad news. I mean, it's always bad news for women's soccer. But um, last week we found out that the LA Blues SC, of course, the champ, the 2014 champions, 
of the USLW League here in North America has folded. Bad news. You know, they were uh, friends of the show. We had on their technical director, Tracy Kevins, earlier. Where, of course, Rachel Daly came on and um, also Sammy Joe Perdue, their goalkeeper. And uh, so they were a good friend of the show. Their PR person, Alondra Hernandez, always very nice to us and very accommodating. And just a sad thing, you know, it's just, um, I guess the ownership just couldn't justify keeping the team going. They weren't making any money. They also own the OC Blues, the men's UC USL pro team here in North America. And so they, I guess they want to put the money into the men's team. I don't know, Adam, I just, I, I feel really bad because, you know, this, you know, uh, a couple years ago is the Pally Blues. They were the LA Pally Blues, and then they merged with the LA Strikers. So they thought it was going to be this big powerhouse. And, you know, we were hoping that it was going to kind of parlay into like an NWSL team in LA. But, um, you know, it's sad. It's, that's what happens. You know, people don't go to the games. And, you know, I feel kind of guilty too. I'm like, maybe I should have gone to more games or, you know, maybe we should have hyped it up a little bit more. Do you think it was because two sets of fans wouldn't go and watch an amalgamated side, do you think? Um, you know, I don't know. It was tough. I don't think so. I think that, that I think the Blues Brigade was really, um, you know, they they did their best too to kind of bring the fans together, and they're the supporters group there. And um, I don't know, you know, this is why I just kind of urge people, you know, just go online to D W League and and check to see if there's a team in your neighborhood, and go and go, try to go to as many games as possible, or go to the W P S L, the Women's Premier Soccer League here in North America. There's over seventy five teams in that league. I guarantee you, there's probably a team in your neighborhood or in driving distance. So we just want to try to, to, to kind of encourage people to go out to games. And that's that's really where they measure their successes at the box office. And and I know the LA Blues and the ownership there, they, they did try. They had some promotions. They, they teamed up with the LA Galaxy a few times because they play over there in their kind of venue area. Um, so I think they tried. But, you know, I think at the last minute they were trying to get some money people. I was hoping Magic Johnson and his crew would go in there and buy them because He's kind of him and his team have kind of bailed out a few teams here in LA, including the LA Dodgers and also the LA Sparks, the WNBA team in LA. They came in and bought them, and now they're part of the LAFC, which is going to take over the uh, Chivas USA. So we're hoping still, you know, maybe somebody will come in at the eleventh hour, but doesn't look like it. And so LA loses their. God, they went fifteen and zero last this season, Adam. I mean, they were just a great team. Oh, and with great coaches, Charlie, I think the two best coaches right now, I can I almost can say in the maybe in the North America in North America is Charlie Namo and and Tracy Kevins, two great great coaches. And uh, you know, right now Charlie Namo is working with the Western New York Flash, and hopefully Tracy Kevins gets hooked up with a team soon because she's super good. And so yeah, so some bad news. Start off the show with some bad news, and you know, maybe there's maybe we learn something from it, and something good comes out of it, but. <laughs> I suppose the only thing you can say is that you need it. Um, you need to be successful on and off the field, don't you? I suppose. I suppose that's that's a sad, sad. Um... Yeah, and you know, a lot of but... it has to do with marketing too, and trying to get people in. You know, if it's a full time job. If you're doing it part time, trying to market to an audience part time, it kind of doesn't really always work. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And like I said, you know, USL Pro League, W League. Go onto their website and see if there's teams in your neighborhood and try to get to a game because you know it's like it's so i mean it's like 10 bucks to get in maybe you know eight to ten bucks the uh, souvenirs are really cheap not cheap inexpensive i think we gave away a package la blues package 
you know, and that scarf, t-shirts, you know, they're like five bucks, you know, it's like, try to support the teams. So that's the bad news. What's the other bad news in England? Um, well, it's not so much bad news, but okay. I think it was um, a big reality check really last week. We had the big, um, the big international that everyone's been talking about for the past, well, ever since it was announced really, the first time that England women's team played at the new Wembley. I mean, in years gone by, they have played at the old Wembley, but this is the first time that they um, graced the most famous football stadium in the world at Wembley Stadium. And um, and we all know that they were playing against Germany, who eight, we all know how good Germany are, eight times European champions, a um, couple of World Cups there. I think if you're looking who's been the best team this year, I think Germany would, would be that. And... Uh, and unfortunately, um, England's big day kind of almost, uh, kind of almost unravelled before it started. Really, going and um, got uh, unfortunately around soundly beaten and, and lost three 0 to their to their German counterparts. Yeah, and you were there. And how was the crowd? Fifty five thousand uh, people. Uh, no, it was um, in the end only forty five thousand turned up. I think that was because the weather was quite bad, and there was like I'll, I'll go onto the transport issues in a in a little while. But still, to get forty five thousand supporters to, I can't remember another friendly game anywhere in the world getting a crowd of forty five thousand. So you have to put it in that context. Even though it was maybe a little bit less than than what was expected, I, I still think um, a lot of credit can be claimed. Although you know. It's always interesting that they stop selling the tickets at fifty-five thousand because basically there's like two tube stations in near Wembley. You've got Wembley Central, which is maybe a five or ten-minute walk, and then you've got Wembley Park, which is right next to it. But the Wembley Park was the one that was shut, so that's why um, they were advised. I don't know who who would give give them the advice, but um, they were advised to limit the tickets to that. But no, still forty-five thousand. Uh, Barry Barry came along with me as well. So did he enjoy it? We were all there to watch watch the game. He he did actually. Yes, uh, he didn't get he didn't come down with me to the NFL game, but um, he, you know what he's like. These beavers, they, they just get here, there, and everywhere, don't they? <laughs> England came out with their uh, what is now going to be their favoured formation, which is a four four two diamond. When you see it written down, you obviously often see four one two one two, but effectively you have four in the midfield. Someone's at the base of the diamond, which in this case is looks like it's going to be Farrah Williams. And then you have um, somebody playing just off the front two strikers, which was Aloko and Duggan. Quite often, the other three in the diamond will will rotate. The problem with, with this formation is that obviously your, your midfield can become quite narrow, so it invites your full backs have got to push forward and then push the opponents back. The problem with doing that is as you're pushing up, you're obviously pushing up the field. You can leave yourself quite exposed at the back. This formation is very good at, at imposing your game onto somebody. But if, if the other team's not as good as you, that'll work. Team's better than you, it doesn't necessarily always work. And this is a very attacking formation. I mean, just to run through it, we had Karen Bardsley in goal. Uh, the recognised back four, Debbie Stokes, Alex Scott, the full backs. Then we've got Steph Harton and Lucy Bronze, that's your defenders. And then Farrah Williams and the sitting at the base of the diamond. Uh, Karen Carney, who made her 100th cap, got a nice shiny gold cap for the occasion. It was, it was jolly nice and well done to her and all that. They had Leanne Sanderson and Jordan Nobbs. And then up front, we had a Duggan, well, I said we, England had Duggan and Aloku. But um, it all started, you know, after 30 seconds, we all saw it could have been so different. Jordan Nobbs dispossessed the Germans, smashed an effort across the bar. Obviously, if it had been the other way around, it would probably have gone in. Because uh, England never get lucky goals like that at Wembley, hitting the crossbar and everything. And that was right um, at the beginning of the game, right? 
Yes, it was. I mean, if that had gone in, who knows? But it didn't, so there's no point in questioning that. And then Germany started to get into the rhythm, and after only three minutes or so, Korda gets swung in. Not the greatest piece of defending. There's a mix-up in communications. Alex Scott's trying to get back. Um, so if you look at the thing, uh, Sanderson would probably have cleared it, would have probably got to it if, if Alex Scott wasn't there as well. But, you know, if everyone's trying to clear it, it ends off bouncing off one of the England players and go, going into the net after three minutes. So it's not really the, the start that you want to give at the moment. But everyone's like, OK, deep breath. Now, for England are an attacking side and maybe a little bit of an experience here. They went racing up to try and get it back. Uh, they get dispossessed on the halfway line and um, Celia Sasic... Um, runs half the way and then sticks it in for 2 nil after 11 minutes and it's all going pear-shaped. Mm. After that, England did did, um, did stem the flow a little bit. Uh, they kind of tried to get back into the game. Onto 45,000 people, 2 nil down, you're going to be a little bit shell-shocked. And they held out till like the last, late, late on in the last couple of minutes of the first half. Um, brilliant cross comes in. Unfortunately, uh, Houghton and Bronze communication a little bit not quite there, and it allows Celia Sasic to stick on a, a third goal, second goal of the game, Germany's third, and pretty much killed the game. Mm. Second half, England, to their credit, did actually come back, did put any more goals. Um, it did look a lot better, I thought, when Jill Scott came, came on, and your lookalike Frank Kirkby, she came on and had a had a good run around and stuff. It was like watching Astrid Labella 30 years ago. <laughs> that. But, it's, uh, again, it's crumbs, crumbs of consolation, really. Um, it did seem like a different team, didn't it, when Kirby and Scott came on? Yes, they, they made a positive impact. You do have to remember as well, if you're looking at it balanced, is that Germany had the game wrapped up, so they weren't going racing for more goals, so that may have helped a bit. But but no, they, the, the two subs did pretty well, I thought, when they, when they came on. and it's, it's always hard, because when you're comprehensively beaten, like England were, um, it was a little bit of a downer, but then you'd have to remember how, how good Germany are and um, so um, we've got the highlights of Mark Sampson's press conference so shall we, shall we play those? Yes. Always it's a great opportunity after the game to, to speak with the opposition coach to exchange your views on each other's teams and be interesting to hear her views on our team and, and in terms of the normal work that they're trying to do what stage they're at in terms of their preparation. Well I thought it was an incredible occasion for, for everyone involved and can't thank the supporters enough, really, in terms of the, the numbers they came in, the, the backing they gave the team. They really made it a special day for the players, which the players will certainly remember for the rest of their lifetimes. And in terms of the, the, the actual game, you know, the players uh, are not silly. They know that at this level, if you, if you make small errors, you're going to be punished because the top teams at this level are incredibly clinical. And we come up against a German team today who, when presented with opportunities, you know, didn't look back, they, they finished them and that's lessons we'll take forward now in terms of how we can limit those number of chances we're, we're conceding and create a little more for ourselves but in terms of learning about my team, you know, certainly learned that the attitude is there, the character's there, the spirit is there. I thought the, the way they come out in the second half and, and still try to get on the front foot and be positive, they should take huge credit for. You know, when you're sat in that change room at half time, 3-0 down in front of 55,000 people. It's, it's very difficult to come out in the second half and, and do anything other than hang on, but the team wanted to, to keep going forward and I thought they did that incredibly well. So you know, we'll take big positives from this, but also some huge lessons. If you want to be competitive at major tournaments, you know teams like Germany, the teams you've got to find a way to beat and find a way to be competitive with. And 
the lessons we'll learn from today are big for us moving forward. But one thing this team has always done is they've got better game by game. And they'll dissect that game, we'll look at it and then look at areas in terms of where we felt we could have done better. But also look at a lot of the areas and I thought we did well. You know, I mean, overall, over the course of the game, we've come very close in terms of the number of attempts on goal. We've We've had more possession. So in terms of if you look at the, the bigger picture and how England have, have fared against Germany in the past, I certainly think Germany are there in a game and, and that's a big positive step for this team. Well, hopefully it's been a really good occasion in terms of the atmosphere uh, and the general feeling around the game, not just today, but over the last, last month or so. You know, the amount of, of media interest we've had, the amount of supporters that have turned up to come and support the team has, has been obviously far greater than we've ever had. And, you know, the team wanted to produce a performance for them and I felt in terms of character and effort, they certainly did. It's a shame we couldn't get the result that all the supporters wanted, but you know, hopefully now this can act as a, a springboard for the women's game. We'd love to get as many supporters as possible coming on a regular basis to watch this team. And not only the England team, but going to support their local team as well, whether that be WSL or Premier League, because you know, certainly the game is, is in a transition period and we're looking to try and grow it again. And, you know, we've seen today on the field we've got you know, some, some steps to take to try and get competitive with these teams and certainly some more support off the field will, will help us try and bridge that gap. You know, did we enjoy today? Of course we did. You know, the players are disappointed to not have won the game, but in terms of the, the overall atmosphere and the experience, this is exactly what we need at this stage, you know, to, to feel that pressure. And you know, It's quite big pressure when you, you tune all down after 15 minutes against a fantastic German team to to stand up, take a deep breath and find a way to get back in the game and, and, and hang on in there. And the players did that. But you know, moving forward, if we can get for us, wherever we play, if we can get the same type of backings we got today, that's all we can ask for. For us at the moment, it's about when you play these teams, trying to go eye to eye and trying to, to be positive. You know, we know at some stage we're gonna to have to beat these teams. And the only way to beat these teams, in my opinion, is to, to give as good as you get. You've got to try and you know, play them at their own game. And we tried to do that today, and, and obviously they punished us when we, we lost a little bit of tactical discipline when we had possession of the ball. But in terms of the, the players' performances, you know, the girls off the bench, I felt, made a big difference. You know, it was great to see young Fran come on and get some more experience this type of environment. You mentioned someone like Jill who came on and made a good, a good impact on the game late on. So again, we'll learn lessons in relation to selection and, and style, but fundamentally you know, we, we went eye to eye and we know where we are because to beat these teams, that's the only way to do it. I think we're a team you know, moving along on a journey. We, we started in a position, let's not forget that last summer that German team won the European Championships and we didn't win a game. So there's, there's a long way for us to go, but in my opinion, we're making some big forward steps. And for the team to play as positive as they did against a strong German team shows we're doing that. Um, okay, we made some technical and tactical errors, but in terms of the mentality of the team, the bravery to, to go out and try and compete against the German team and go forward is a huge positive for us. You know, I spoke, spoke to some of our staff who've been around the team for a long time and, and they feel that's the most ever possession we've had against Germany. That's the most we've tried to attack against Germany and, and all we can do is ask the Germans the question, did they feel they're in a game? And I'm certainly sure their answer would be yes. They're disappointed because they're, these guys desperately want to win every game for England. And you know, for, to come here and not win the game is a huge disappointment to them. But they're also realistic about their levels and where we're at at the moment. And the important thing for us today was to really go eye to eye and be positive. And, you know, the players are pleased in terms of how they stuck to the plan and also how they adapted within the game. 
you know, we, we made some changes at half time to try and sort some errors out we made in the first half and it made a big difference to us. So if we can do that in a 15 minute interval, you know, over the course of six months, I'm sure we can make many more changes to get this team in a better place come next summer. Well, obviously it was a really special day for us and to us, for us to get that many people at a game at Wembley is a huge step forward for the women's game. We never expected it when it first got announced. But for it to happen, you know, we hopefully now will be a real stepping stone for us to kick on. And, and hopefully as well, you know, the rest of the world will look up and say, actually, there is a huge supporter base for women's football. And I know that France are playing a friend this week and, and they've sold out. So, you know, the game seems to be on a very progressive path. It's moving forward. And the quality of football is increasing as well. I was very, very impressed with both teams' qualities today and the intensity of the game. And, you know, if both those things that can happen, more interest, media... Um, supporters and obviously the quality of the game goes up the game's certainly a good place moving forward the FA have supported this team a lot in terms of making sure our domestic fixtures suit our World Cup preparation so as much as it was a challenge today it'll certainly be a positive for us moving into the tournament in June um, well I'm certainly we're, we're in the market to play against the top teams and the USA are one of the top teams and, and we'd love to go over there or bring them over here and if, if that's a possibility then it'd be another fantastic experience for this team because off the back of today, the next thing the players want is another another opportunity to go and have a go at one of the big guns. Well, do you know what? I, I think every single player from in our team today improved as the game went on, and and you know if they can learn during the game, you know certainly we've got a huge opportunity to learn a lot after the game. And you know I thought Farah quitted herself very well. She obviously had a bump early in the game, which made it difficult for her. But you know she showed great character to to manage her, her tactical discipline and physical energy. And Jordan, you know, Jordan really wanted to compete today and I thought her energy levels, her effort levels were, were superb and, and she also showed a lot of qualities and tactical intelligence to, to move into that deep lying position in terms of something she's, she's not used to, doesn't play there for a club, but she just stepped in there and, and, and took to it very, very well and that gives us great options moving forward. I think what the big thing for me that came out of that was that we now, I think everybody now knows that England are going to go and try and take the game to the opponents. Uh, the comments he said about going toe to toe with the, the teams. I'm not totally sure that that's that's is the, that that will be successful in the short term. I think if we are going to go and try and go toe to toe against the US and Japan and and teams like that, then we might get a few more bloody noses. But I suppose in the long term, he's looking. That if you're talk, looking long term, you could be a team that just gets everyone behind the behind the ball and try and keeps the score down. But that's not going to win you many get if you keep doing that all the time you're not going to win many games. So I give him credit for sticking by his philosophy. And it's uh, going to be quite a, a, quite, a, quite a ride if England are going to... Because 4-4-2, like 4-4-2 diamond, like I said, is all about inserting your game on the opposition and getting your full-backs forward. Uh, for me, it could possibly do... I'd like to see Jill Scott starting just to give us a bit more steel, just to give a bit more fight in that midfield. It's, um, it's very creative... It's very fancy, but I'm not totally sure there's many uh, people in there to break up, up the play. I know that Farrah Williams has been the defensive midfielder for a long time now, but I'm not totally sure. I think we need a little, a little bit more in that kind of department in the, in the defensive midfield shielding the back four. Because yeah, that's you know you can't if you don't want your back four one on one with some of the best strikers in the world. So that's a little bit um, I'll be food, food for thought, as they say. Do you think from this, this press conference or what Sampson is saying is that he's just going to stick with his guns and he's not going to change his formation regardless of who he's playing? I don't think so. I think he 
come across. I think he might change personnel here and there, but I think the identity and the philosophy of the team will be to go out and attack. Uh, he did so that it's not going to be a bunker. Was... It's not going to be like he's not going to bunker, like if he's playing in the U.S. or obviously. Oh not. no, he, 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 I think he made that quite clear that he's not going to. He's not going to do um, for, you know, what, what Randy Waldron can do with Trinidad and shove everyone one behind the, the ball. I don't think you're going to see England. You won't see England doing even Canada to an extent are quite defensively before they go offensively, aren't they? So I think England are going to try and go out and attack goals. Like I say, it might come. They might come on stuck. But um, at least you can, I mean, I don't know if it is any consolation, but there's certainly going to be an entertaining side to watch going forward. I mean, it was the same with Bristol Academy. Uh, they, they were great when he was coach at Bristol. They went forward a lot, scored a lot of goals, let a few goals in. I mean, I know England have been OK defensively this year, but they've not been tested that often. But this, this was only England's second defeat of the year, it has to be said. The other team that beat them was France, and, and France are pretty good as well at the moment. I mean, France even beat Germany, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago, so... Yeah, I think what we know is that there's four teams better than everybody else. You've got the USA, Japan, France and Germany. And I think the World Cup win is going to be one of those four teams because those four are a lot better than everybody else. Some people might put Brazil in that top five, but I've not seen them play, so it'd be, mm. be wrong just to stick them in there. But I think you've got four teams. They're your top tier one teams. And then you've got a whole host of teams like England, Canada, Australia, Norway, China, Brazil, teams like that, which can beat upon each other. But I don't think anyone in that group can, can beat the top four. And the draw comes out on December 6th, so we'll find out. Yes, uh, next Saturday, isn't it? It's yeah. 5 o'clock our time, so I don't know what time that is. It's going to be like time, five, five. Yeah, 5 o'clock. Um, now, the, the announcers uh, on TV here in in the United States, it was like Tony, Tony DeChico and Cat Whitehill, I think, were announcing that game over at Wembley. And they were really hard on, on Karen Barsley. What was your take on her i mean they everything she did like they could they just were like tearing her to pieces like well it's uh, I, I did hear some of this and i'd like to know things it's unfair i think to judge a player if you only watch them on one game now i know very few of these england games i think this is probably the first one that's been screened in the u.s i mean you know it's if, if they if they thought she had a bad game but i don't think she could have done anything with any of the goals and it wasn't as if i mean germany had one disallowed but actually reigning in shots. Germany didn't get that many shots in. I think um, they were just very clinical when they did. But I, I don't. If, if you're looking at that performance, I, I honestly don't think you can say that Karen Bartley was, was the worst. I mean, I don't think, you know, you're one-on-one -on -one with one of the best on-form strikers. What's she meant to do with that? Deflecting in own, own goal. You know, you can't tell me that she, that, that was her fault either. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, she is Native American. She, she is American. Well, she's, you know, got a Californian accent. Maybe they didn't have, like, happy with her. <laughs> Maybe they just got a chip. On, maybe they just got a chip on the shoulder. But you know, if he, if this um, dude who's doing the commentaries and not seen very much of them, I mean, I could, you know, you could watch any of Christine Sinclair's games these past year or so when she's not scored and say, oh, who's who's that? Right. So I, I, if 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 people are going to have a watch it consistently and then then they can form an opinion, I think. But just to call someone out on one game, it's like your man Tom Brady when he was you know best quarterback in the league at the moment. But if you were to judge him on that one game in Kansas. You'd think, you know, bench bench the guy, wouldn't you? So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't put a huge amount of stock into what they said. I think she's she has bad games like everybody else, but I think still think she's the best goalkeeper that we've got. So, Great. so that's that. But, you know, regardless, win or loss, I mean, I thought it was a big event. I mean, it was a big event. I got up really early to watch it. I know a lot of people got up and watched it. And to have the women's team at Wembley, um, do you think they're going to do this, like, yearly? Is this going to be an annual thing? 
I don't know. I mean, it was certainly successful enough. I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near the stage that every England game will be at Wembley. I still think that's a long way off. But I, I wouldn't want every game at Wembley at the moment anyway. I think I think there could there's certainly a good case to be made for playing one game at Wembley a year and then bringing taking them around the country because I still think it's important it's important to to take the team around the country and, and promote women's football like that. Um, the build in this week, I mean, as Mark Sampson mentioned, the build up to the game and it was in all the in the papers over here. It really did get a lot of huge, lots of column spaces. There was lots of people in the press area that, that aren't normally doing women's games and, and stuff like that. So that was really impressive. So obviously, the lessons were learnt on the pitch, but I think off the pitch, we've learnt that there there is a market for this. And um, we 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 didn't play the Germans in, interview because it was done through a translator. And for radio, it would have been pretty crap. But um, Sylvia Nedney, the uh, German manager who's been there for since 2005, I think she said she was very impressed with everything. And to, to quote her, she was she thanked the FA for inviting Germany to to the party. So, so she was certainly impressed, and she's she's seen and done it all, hasn't she? So it, she thinks it's it's a good idea. I'm I'm with that. Uh, she was asked about what it's like. Uh, what are they about? turf thing because you know everyone's got nothing to do but talk about turf and she just blew it out the blew it out the ring saying that you know we're going to be playing our artificial turf and that's that so that that was probably the highlight of the of the german thing but i was very impressed with germany much as you know we all wanted to see and get a result uh germany were pretty imposing i think if you had to look back over the year i mean just to put into context uh japan won the world cup um, they are the World Cup champions, but Germany demolished them three 0 in the Old Guard final, the same as what happened as England did. So, uh, yeah, I mean it's not, not great to get hammered three 0 but when you look at what Germany's done and how they're growing and building to hordes, hordes that World Cup. But another thing, it was brought up in the press conference, and I, I happen to agree with it, was that these German teams have been playing in their season, whereas the FAWSL obviously finished a while ago. Uh, you can do all the training camps that you want, but. But it's not the same as playing games, and I think the lesson also. I think everybody got that wrapped up with it being at Wembley in the in the build up to it. It was like we're at Wembley, we're at Wembley. I just think maybe people forgot they were playing the, the magnitude of the opponent. I think everyone got a bit wrapped up with the Wembley and excited. So now that's out of the way, next time that they play at Wembley, they'll be I think in a better mental place to focus more on the opposition as opposed to going over the top about being at Wembley. We've got gone through all the hype and the palaver of being at Wembley. Next time they play at Wembley, it'll all be about the result, hopefully, and we won't just be talking about about the fancy stadium and everything like that. We can actually get knuckled down and, and do some real hard training and try and get a result. So um, a question for you, obviously you've seen the US a bit more. Now, just taking England out of the equation here, because I think it's pretty much guaranteed that the US and Germany are the top two sides in the world, although Japan and France could possibly get a result against them as well. So, so what um, what was your assessment of Germany then? Obviously, with those being big big rivals to the US. Um, scary. They're scary, Adam. I don't know how the US is going to yeah. match up against Germany. Like you said, they're an attacking side, but they're smart. You know. Yeah, I think I think as I said, I think Germany's been the best side this year. If you're looking at the whole calendar year, I know that they lost that one game to France, but. You know, they were pretty impressive in the old Garve where they qualified relatively easy. And then they've um, taken out England, they've taken out Sweden. So They look really uh, they fit. They look really fit and they're really, I mean, they're really serious. You know, there's no messing around with Germany. I mean, they mm. could have come in and just played a half speed, I think, against England and, and done really well. But Oh, yeah, definitely. They were playing like it was uh, 
mean, Canada as well, didn't they? They, they went to Canada and, and took Canada out in their own turf. So yeah. they've certainly had a tough fixture list this year and come through it with flying colours. Adding to the fact that Wolfsburg won the Champions League for the second time mm-hmm. this year. Uh, the under-20s won the, their World Cup, didn't they? So um, and coach it, of the, it's, certainly, look, it's certainly... And FIFA Coach of the Year, too. So it would be a naive. Mm, sure. Yeah. So. It's well, she's nominated, isn't she? But, well, um, she was last. I'm talking about last year. Oh, last year, yeah, year. yeah. So yes, it's um, but I think they could well be the team to beat. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, that's the dream. I guess the dream would be Germany, USA in the final. Mm. I mean, I, for I, some I of should, us. <laughs> yeah, like I say, if you don't support either of those teams, it wouldn't be. But um, now, I is think this? Would this looking... Now, let me ask you: Is this like this was the first time that okay, men, the men, Germany, the men's Germany men's side won the World Cup? And I mean, this would be if Germany women win the women's World Cup. This would be the first time, right, that that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Germany, the only country in the world that's men's and women's team has won the World Cup. No other countries won won both of them. Uh, I can't see that changing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, I can't see the U.S. men winning it to go against yeah. all the Norwegian men or that kind of stuff. So, um, <laughs> do you not think Jurgen can bring home the World Cup? Uh, I don't know enough about the men's side to make a comment, but I would say no. no. Well, I, I will. I think uh, there's an account in hell's chance that Jurgen wins the World Cup myself, but yeah. uh, I suppose I can say that, can't I? Yeah. You, 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 if, if you said that, you get hate tweets and stuff. Well, and speaking of, oh, do you want to give a quick congratulations to um, the Netherlands? Yes, while we're on the World Cup, we yeah. can do. Um, well, look, again, they pulled through for me because I said the Netherlands would get through, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, I need I need all the help I can get with these predictions. But um, <laughs> yes, they uh, defeated Italy two one in the second leg to go through three one in aggregate. Yep. Not they needed two goals, right, to to knock off Italy. No. Well, yeah. Well, they drew the first leg one all, didn't they? Yep. And then I think second leg, and then there were two nil up, and then Italy got one back, but it wasn't enough, and the Dutch qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. So now only one more team. Or one more slot is open, Trinidad and Tobago or Ecuador. Yeah, I've, I've gone with Ecuador, and that I think you've gone with Trinidad, haven't you? So at least yeah. one of us is going to get it. One of us will get that, right? Well, by de- December 2nd, we'll know. They, if yeah. you recall, they drew nil-nil, uh, right? Yep, nil-nil in the first leg in Ecuador. So the second match is in Port of Spain, which is in Trinidad. Good stuff. And then that's it. And then we're then we're off. Then we're off to the races now. Yes, uh, we're... we're, we're we're hopefully going to get something done for the draw. We don't know what yet, but it'll depend on on um, schedules and stuff, won't it? Yeah, we'll find out something. And, and speaking of Women's World Cup teams, I know you're just grinning That's... from ear to ear. You're just waiting for this. I am. This was the mar- I was looking for. I've been looking forward to this. Um, this is why I was so keen to get the show done because it's uh, it's not very. It's very rare in life. Sometimes in life, you, you you're touched with a moment of greatness and. And you had this, didn't you? Because you got to interview Sophie Schmidt. I mean, you um, because well, you you take up the story instead of me telling you how lucky you were to do this. The Canadian women's national team were here in Southern California. I say here. I'm actually not in Southern California right now, but in Southern California, playing Sweden, uh, two closed door friendlies. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to uh, uh, the Canadian uh, media PR guy Gavin Day who actually helped me a lot and he was very accommodating to me. I said, hey, is it, how closed door is this? are these games? And he's like, well, come on down. I was like, okay. So went down there to, uh, the first game was at um, LMU, Loyola Marymount College over there at Sullivan Stadium. 
Very interesting. Let me just tell you, Adam, if you ever get a chance, and I'm, this is for anybody else out there, if you ever get a chance to see a closed door game between two top tier teams, I highly, highly recommend it because it is mind blowing. Uh, it was pretty, pretty cool. It was like watching a Sunday afternoon game between just two teams. They just happened to be two, you know, top tier teams in the women's game. And uh, pretty cool to see all the guy, all of them out there. Christine Sinclair, you know, Sophie Schmidt, Aaron McLeod, all the big, yeah, all the big stars. And it was, it was pretty cool too because, of course, Sweden is coached by Pia Sundhage, and also on the sidelines for Canada is Tom Sermani. I'm like, wow, what is the, what are the odds? <laughs> Two former <laughs> U.S. Women's National Team coaches right here. So pretty cool. It was pretty fun. I enjoyed myself. The second game. You know, these, the venues got changed around a lot and there wasn't a lot of media there. There was actually more Swedish media, like Swedish TV people there. Um, but the second match was held at UCLA and it was changed at the last minute. They were supposed to be at Long Beach State and they changed it the night before. It was too quick for me. I just couldn't make it happen. So I wasn't able to go to the second game. But the first game from what I saw... Canada looked really good. Probably the best that I've seen them in a while. I like the formation. Boy, John Herdman is, you know what? I'm a, I'm a new John Herdman fan. I have to say it because he's <laughs> quite a character. And I was up in the yeah, stands. Is, yeah. yeah, I was up in the stands and he was, and he came up in the stands and was actually coaching from the blue, from a seat behind me. And so I could hear, I mean, his, his voice was in my ear the whole game. And I swear to God, I went to bed that night with John Herdman's, voice in my ear. I, not, I thought he was going to tap me on the shoulder at one point and tell me to, to go in. But yeah. I Things actually, you never thought you'd say. <laughs> I have a picture. I'll put it on. I haven't put it out there yet, but I'll have to put it out there in, on Twitter or something with him standing behind me. Uh, he yells that whole... I mean, that's not just for the TV cameras. I mean, there's no TV there. There's no media. There's nobody there watching him. He coach, And I know you're not a fan of this, Adam, but he coaches the whole game. The only, the only, the only people he doesn't really coach, and I think it's because he has a lot of confidence in them, is his back line. And I tell you, yeah. I was really impressed by the back line of he had Carmascato, who looks a hundred and ten percent. She looks like she's not. I mean, I know she's coming back from injury, but she's like, you know, just grinding out there. Oh yeah, and Buchanan and Wilkinson, fan favorite, ran Wilkinson back in the back line, but the midfield forwards. He's got his mittens in the pie. You know, he's like yeah. constantly telling them, move back, move up, move back, go forward, do this, do that. I actually have an audio of him. Maybe I'll put it on, on this show. Maybe I'll put it at the end of the episode or something. But because um, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't just keep it to myself. I'm like, I'm going to like take pictures of this guy. And, you know, but anyway, he was really cool too. Oh, by the way, they did win the game with a goal by Janelle Feligno. Lone goal, 1-0 against Sweden that first game. The second game, I believe they they drew one one all. What well, one all? Yeah, yeah. we had them. Um, I think this was the biggest relief of the whole thing that Christine Sinclair scored a goal. Yeah. which might sound de 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 um, a little disrespectful, but uh, a lot of Canada fans have been quite concerned with Christine. It was a scrappy goal, but that's the kind of goal that she needs. It was that traditional poacher's goal. It corner comes in, bobbles around a bit, mm -hmm. pinball football, as I like to call it, and Sinclair just lashes it, lashes it home. So that was that was a great one, really, for them just to get that that draw but yeah so two yeah two good I think two good results for Canada I like I said I thought they they looked fantastic against uh Sweden and you know Sweden's not a pushover 
Yeah. How did they? Um, how did they solve the problem with with um, Math not being there? Because that was one of the big questions we had of these two matches. Because obviously Math was a, a core player for Canada, Diana Matheson, sorry. And it looks like she won't possibly make it for the World Cup. It's I don't, I don't know. I'm not a medical expert, but how, how did they solve the um, Diana Matheson problem? Yeah, I don't think that they've really solved the Diana Matheson thing. I mean, they have Fletcher, who's super good. The ball just sticks to her foot. She's remarkable. So, you know what? Actually, I talked to Herdman after the match, and I asked him about Diana Matheson. Uh, also asked him about Sophie Schmidt. Hey. Hey. So let's listen to what John Herdman has to say. Tell me about this closed-door game. I mean, there's you don't have the fanfare of or the distraction of media or fans. How does that prepare you for the Women's World Cup? Well, we've played... Uh... We've played pretty much every game over the last four or five under, you know, 20,000, 25, 28,000 people. And a lot of these teams get to prepare behind closed doors. You go to some of those European games that Sweden will play and there's maybe 200 people there watching. So I think it's always nice just to get a break from that. Um, but more importantly, we're here because of the warm climate. <laughs> and that's it. Like, we'd have played in Canada if we could. We love playing in front of our fans. But uh, that result's been coming, and I've been saying this, you know, the, the team is progressing. We played some great football today, uh, really confident at the back, and it's the sort of brand and football that I hope our country can be proud of when we hit the World Cup. How do you keep this team focused on football with the upcoming Women's World Cup, all the limelight hmm. and everything? I think it's just processes, you know. We, we always have you know, some key processes that we're working on and people just have their jobs and they get on with them and that's that's part of what we do. We try and simplify it right down so you've got your job, you know what that is and you can go about it and we put the support around them so they don't really get a chance to get off task. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool environment. You have an interesting mix of players. You have really very young players and seasoned vet veterans. Mm. How, does, how does that change your style of coaching? Because it's a, almost a generation between the two. Well, I think philosophically, that, you know, you're always at your core, which is to try and get the best out of whoever's in front of you and help them, more importantly, get the best out of themselves. So, you know, we've engendered a culture here where you know, the players are very curious about the game and those senior players pretty much become the coaches. You know, they, they spend a lot of time with the young girls, making sure they're on page. But if you, if you listen to them, they're all quite young at heart anyway. So it's not... Uh, they're a light-hearted group, and I'm sure any kid at any age could probably drop in for the day, and it uh, wouldn't be an issue. They seem really tight. Yeah, they are. I mean, some of them have been together for maybe 15 years. And I think when you've got a core that have been together so long, it's so obvious how things get done around here. And people can just fit in with that. And it's so obvious when someone doesn't fit in. So that's why they're so tight. I think uh, just good Canadians who uh, keep doing the right things. Um, Sophie Schmidt has had a great season. Is that, are, are you surprised by that? Or what's the key to her success, do you think? Just constantly challenging her. And, and I love that about Soph. I mean, she's hit a, a crossroads in her career. She can either you know, crack on now and be genuinely one of the best midfielders in the world or she can go in another direction. She's 27, 28 now. And that's the peak of your career as a women's football player. And I think she's rose to that challenge this year. She's been consistently one of Canada's best player, if not the best, over the last three games. How's Diana Matheson doing? Just on the comeback road. I mean, we're all you know, saying our prayers, keeping our fingers crossed, but she's such a solid um, human being that if anyone could get back, look at her, I mean, she's like a bionic woman. 
Any thoughts on um, Tom Sermani um, helping you up into the Women's World Cup? Yeah, Tommy's class. Look, look, he just comes in when we uh, when we can fit him in, and he's just got a you know a nice way about doing business. And I think the girls enjoy him. We enjoy having him around. Um, so yeah, we may see him a bit more into the World Cup, you know, Canada's gain and the US's loss, I guess. But how close are you to to picking your your 23 for the Women's World Cup? Oh, it's tight. I mean, that's and that's the beauty of the environment now. We've really changed gears with with some of the conversations we've had and some of the challenges we've posed on the team to say, look, you know, only 23 will make it, and your best now has to be good enough. Like you can't go out there with mediocre performances because there's five players just around the corner, and I think that motivates people. It, it, some people will shy away from that that pressure, and they're the people we don't want at the World Cup. So it's, it's nice to be able to shift gears and start saying, look, it's about winning football matches. And sometimes, you know, for a 15-minute period there, the girls just had to grind it out, and they did. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Yeah, no, good luck. Thanks. Some good questions good there. Thank, Thank you. So, yeah, I'm a newfound John Herdman fan. I hate to admit it, but the guy is just, like, super nice, really down-to-earth. Not anything like I thought he would be, you know, because um, you get these sound bites, and he sounds kind of harsh and... You know, I like when he said, uh, when I asked him about Tom Sermani, and he's like, well, you know, USA's loss, our gain. I mean, that's that's typical John Herdman. That's kind of what you expect from him. It's, <laughs> it's great to hear him talk so glowingly about Sophie Schmidt. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Did you hear kind of his, this little smile come over his face when I, when I even mentioned her name? He was like, yeah, Sophie, you know. So uh, obviously you're not the only one enamored by her. No. No, but as we'll find out later, I could be her biggest fan though, couldn't I? And we'll find out why later on. Yeah. You know who else you might want to thank for that shout-out is uh, Janelle Feligno, because had they not won that game, I probably wouldn't have had the gumption to ask her to do, to give you a, a shout-out. But it was funny because when I said, oh, you know, I work with um, I work with this guy by the name of Adam Barlow, and she's like, oh, yeah, I met him. I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, well, we should we should, we shall play that. We shall play that because I mean, people people listening may not believe that she would say that, but we have it on on. In fact, should we stop messing around and showing? Shall we play the interview of the great Sophie Schmidt? Should we should we uh, stop waffling on and let let our audience hear from from a girl of the hour? Right. Okay. Here you go. Uh, congratulations on the result. Thank Good you result for you guys today. Yeah. Um, what's your mindset coming into a, a match like this where there's no distractions with fans or media and things like that? Are you a different type of mindset for you? Yeah, there's definitely not that outside pressure uh, that comes along with playing in front of fans or media. We can simply just go out, focus on our our, plan, our game plan and try to get a win against a Tier 1 team and not have to worry about anything else except for being present in that moment. It's kind of like a throwback. I was like, this is like an AYSO game like on a Sunday afternoon. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it was very relaxed, and it, it kind of takes a little bit more to get up for the game. I mean, it is international, but it's just kind of environment's a little dead, but yeah. Uh, you're the number one goal scorer on this team this year. What has been the key to your success? Uh, what have you done differently this year, I should say? Than I think it's just a mindset, mindset switch, or change, um, just in terms of taking that responsibility upon myself to score the goals and try to get myself into positions that are dangerous. Uh, everybody knows that Sneaky can score goals and they've done a really good job of shutting her down and I think that's also helped in opening up myself or some other players for good opportunities and yeah I'm just trying to make the most of everything and I love scoring goals. <laughs> 
I, I don't know if it was on Instagram or something. I, I saw something recently where you said living out of a suitcase or something like that. Uh, is, is traveling kind of the downside of, uh, of, this, of this job? It is. It, it's, a, it's like a, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Love it and hate it. Love, like, love the part that we get to go see the world. And when it's cold in Canada, we can come down here where it's warm. Um, but the downside is we don't get to see family that much. Uh, we do live out of a suitcase, and so, um, yeah, I mean, you miss your friends and family, I think, the most, but it's also, this is just a limited time where it's going to be like that, and then go back to normal life, so. And speaking of social media, you guys are pretty uh, active on social media. Is there a downside to social media? Is there things that you don't like about it? Because it's a great way to bring the fans into kind of your world. Yeah, I, I love it, because it does allow fans to kind of see us, not just as soccer players, but as people as well. But the negative side is just... The feedback that you get from fans is very. There's a lot of critics out there that like to bring you down, and it's just a matter of kind of filtering that, taking it as it comes. But. Uh, you're going into your third year in the NWSL. Do you have an overall impression of the league so far? Um, it's progressing. I think a lot of changes has happened, and you know the first two years we're kind of feeling it out, and I think clubs know what they need to do to be successful um, on and off the pitch, and so I think. This next year is going to be a little interesting with the World Cup, but um, clubs have a great direction and uh, players are only benefiting from being in a, in a more competitive league. And I think, yeah, it's, it's only getting better. So, Is there anything that you would change to make it better? Um, I would love to have all the best players from all the world. <laughs> that would make it the best. Um, I think the one downside is, is that the U.S. is so big and that just the travel is takes a toll um, on a season. So. Uh, you guys almost squeaked into the playoffs at the end of the year. You guys went on a run for like five weeks. What did you guys do differently in those that last five weeks? That uh, we kind of just had a mind, mindset shift. We had nothing to lose at that point. We worked really hard on our tactics, focusing on us. And I think that we are a very technical team. We don't have the big name players, but we had a very uh, talented group, and we believed in ourselves that we could win. And I think we just finally went out. And the addition of Nadim, Nadia Nadim from Marcus. Denmark, yeah, she was tremendous. Brought a lot of energy and kind of revived our spirits. And I think we just carried that on even when she left. So um, this is kind of a quick turnaround for you guys. You have, um, and it seems like it's all business, but do you guys have time for to go sightseeing or do anything fun? Um, yeah, the beach is like right here, so I think that's all we need to see. Just kind of relax. So but yeah. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> true, true. Keep it quiet. Um, I got one more question for you. Actually, it's a request. Okay. Um, I have. I work with a, a great guy by the name of Adam Barlow, who just thinks that Sophie Schmidt is like the big. He thinks I met he, him. Yeah, he's my number he, one fan. He's your number one fan. He thinks you're Pele. He loves you, and he's he's a sweet guy. Yeah. And he's a big supporter of the women's game. Could you give him a shout out? Could you say like, hey, this is Sophie. Uh, yeah, Adam. Thanks for you know. Hi, Adam Barlow. This is Sophie Schmidt here in Santa Monica. I uh, just wanted to give you a shout-out. Thanks for all the support. Uh, I do see all your social media stuff towards me, and I really appreciate it. Take care. You're such a good sport. Thank, Thank you. you so much. No good luck. Good luck in the World Cup next Thank year, you. too. Thank you. Well, you know what I found out about Sophie that I didn't know? Yeah. She's very personable. You know? yeah. She's got, yeah. She comes across very personable. She seemed excited to talk to me. So that was good. And well, I think once she knows that you work with me, I think that that kind of that elevates your stature, doesn't it? Really, you, 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 you know. So I think I think that was a reflection of that. Yeah, and you know what? Also, I have to give her uh, props to you because she really kicked ass through this whole match. I mean, she just does not stop, and she's very coachable. You know, I mean, like I said, Herdman was just coaching throughout the whole game, but 
not he didn't yell Soph's name too often. You know, he didn't have to really when he did, then all he had to do was tell her something one time and you know there she is. So I know I know that's I'm just preaching to the choir with you, Adam. But you know, some of us just don't pay that close of attention to Sophie as you do. So for those of us who don't, you know, it's just pretty pretty fun to watch her and I really appreciate her taking the time to talk to me. So thanks, Sophie. Thanks, Coach Herderman. And also thanks and, to, to thanks to Gavin Day over at Canadian. Just Soccer. just on the last thing, she people I think don't realize how tall she is. Yeah, she's well. Everybody's taller than me, but yeah, she's pretty tall, and she's got some big mittens, and her hands are like really huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good thing she's a soccer player. Uh, the other thing I want to say is also uh, I was able to get an interview with Aaron McLeod, and we did a phone interview. So we're gonna play that on our next episode. So stay tuned for that. We just I just don't want to put all my Canadian eggs in one basket. You know, I wanted to like spread it, spread out the love. There, yes, so. yes, we don't we don't but, want too much. Um, to be too much of a good thing, but it's it's great that Canada's got that win because that was the first time Canada's won since the two one the scrappy two one win over over Ireland in the Cyprus Cup. So, I think they've had they've had some tired games, haven't they? Germany and Japan twice, and I think getting a win and a draw out of these two, two games, I, I think, is a good good um good boost for Canada. How, how did Kaylin Carr look, by the way? Barry wants to know. Oh, Kaylin Carr was good. I was impressed by her. Yeah, she almost came up with a goal. Um, she's very, yeah, pushing forward. You're talking about maybe taking over the DMATH spot. Like I said, it's kind of hard. You can't replace DMATH. But I think with um, Kaylin Kyle pretty much stepped in there, stepped in that role a little bit. I saw, I saw more of her in this match than I had in previous matches. And also, I also want to say, you know, when I, I called up my friend, um, our NWSL correspondent, Sarah Hallett, and I said, hey, you know, these are the players I'm going to ask to interview. And she was like, well, why aren't you wanting to interview Sinky? Why, what's wrong with Sinclair? She's like the face of the team. She, the people in Portland want to hear from her, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, settle down, cowgirl. I'll get, I'll get Sinclair later on. Uh, you know, so we're setting something up that will probably, probably get Sinclair later on, um, probably in the springtime when we get closer to Women's World Cup. Also, thanks to Sarah again for the questions because I'm like, hey, I, you know, send me some questions if you have any questions for um, Coach Herdman or or Sophie and so you know she's like yeah yeah and then a, then like maybe I don't know a couple hours later she sends me all these questions I'm like these are brilliant I'll just throw mine in the trash so <laughs> so thanks again to Sarah for helping out and You're, you do that with my questions yeah, don't you do. my, my questions always get thrown in the trash never, never seem to make the yeah. cut do they yeah but yeah I'm, I'm excited to share with you the Aaron McLeod uh, interview next episode on women's world football show some good stuff too they actually yes. invited me to the hotel room Adam I that's know you're why, just jealous. Right. Yeah, I can make it. Though. I'd love to go to the hotel. I bet you would, but I don't yeah. know that. I don't think they would tell you where they were staying. No. <laughs> well, if I was invited, I'd, I'd probably get a lift on the team bus. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't make it though, so I had to settle with the phone call. But just as good. I mean, if 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 I ever get to get to write Sophie's autobiography, I don't know whether I charge a, a, a flat up fee or percentage of books sold. Or, I don't know. That's, that's something for another day, though, isn't it? Just just the last thing. What Did it strike you as being a different pace, being behind closed doors, than it would be in a stadium with, say, 30,000, 40,000 fans? What was the actual... How did it feel as a reporter, kind of? It was a, a bit, like, surreal, almost, because it did... I mean, like like you heard Sophie say, you know, it's it, um, it takes a little bit to get up for these type of games, but uh, you, I couldn't really tell. I mean, I thought that they went, like nose to the grindstone they were playing hard all out I mean it was pretty rough and I didn't think that they held back at all I did 
you know, the, the, the thing that was funny about it was, is that at the beginning when they come out for the national anthems and they do sing the national anthems, but they sing it like Sweden had theirs like playing on a radio. So you can kind of hear the radio playing and they were singing. But when Canada came out, they were singing a cappella, And, you know, they have some pretty good voices. Aaron McLeod's a really good singer. I know you think Soph's a good singer. Um, so, I mean, they have like some nice voices and they were just singing the national anthem. It was like very strange, very interesting. But I was, uh, I was pumped up for it. I thought it was fantastic. Of course, there's no clapping or anything like that. But, you know, it's because it, you know, it's mostly media. There were some friends, I think, in the stands. I'm telling you, there was like 12 people there at the game. All in all, it was it was amazing. It was an experience I'll never I'll never forget. We really appreciate Sophie Smith and John Herdman, Gavin Day. Thank you guys for for letting yeah. me invade your space. And thank you, Sophie, for saying I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. Let's move along before we listen before we lose all of our two listeners that we have left. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, guess what we got going on now, Adam. time again it was uh, my turn this week to interview Cheryl and it's getting really close now We're, we've got two playoff plates sewn up and there's still two two left fighting for so without further ado let, let's play this interview I did with Cheryl on Saturday morning okay then guys it's um WW league roundup time and we've got Cheryl back so hi Cheryl hello thanks for having me back oh not at all it's, it's our pleasure How have you been these past few weeks yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's all been very exciting, I think, in the W League heading into the final couple of rounds. So everyone's yeah. on the edge of their seat wondering what's going to happen. There's really five teams that are playing out for four positions. Two are already locked in, I suppose, for the finals. So there's three left and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to um, the playoffs in a moment. But um, I just want to ask you quickly because I suppose the big news this week has been the um, TV deal that's gone through in Australia. Now, this is the, the state broadcaster, isn't it? It is. It's the ABC. Um, and what's happened, I suppose, is that federal government has slashed the, the funding. So that's pretty harsh. And there's been a number of jobs lost. So from a, a personal perspective, there's obviously a lot of people out of work and that's quite tough. And then the fo- flow-on implications are that a couple of, particularly women's sport, has been knocked off as well. So next year they won't be broadcasting the WNBL, um, which is our local um, basketball league, and they also won't be broadcasting the W League. But it opens up some other opportunities as well in some respects. So if you try and look on the bright side, if you're an eternal optimist, the ABC has only ever played one match. Um, which means that you don't get to see the other three matches that are on this week, that weekend. Mm. And when you think about it, it'd be nice if maybe they had a, another option, which would be streams of all the matches. But, yeah, that's the optimist in me. Whether or not it can happen, who knows? Mm. I think the streams could be a good thing, because a lot of these clubs are, are, tied, are tied with men's clubs, aren't they? So you'd have thought they will have the facilities to come down and, and, do, for, and do that kind of thing, the filming and stuff. Yeah. That's that's true. I suppose Canberra's the only team that's not exclusively tied to a men's club in the A-League. But I suppose when we say tied, it's, it's such a, a tiny little piece of string sometimes that they're tied with. It. It's not, it doesn't seem to me to be a complete full relationship. I mean, everything's almost done by themselves. There's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how much funding 
flows through or anything but yeah it's it's a tiny piece of string when we say it there i mean perth glory women there's a perth glory a league team same for melbourne victory and so on so yes there's a a reciprocal name but yeah i don't know how far beyond that it stretches yeah because a lot of the i mean brisbane i know have different sponsors on the men's and the women's shirts don't they so yeah, I assume they do, they different... and I think, you know, if we use Brisbane as an example, I think they're one of the, the closer clubs, maybe. There, there seems to be a little bit more working together. Um, I'm not sure how many clubs have that stronger relationship. Melbourne Victory is obviously the team that's closest to my heart, and, you know, being around the club a little bit, I, I don't really see a lot of symmetry between the two clubs, but... In saying that, I'm sure that there are some of the administration side of things that are the same. So yeah, yeah. but it's it's not a super strong relationship. Whether or not they'd be more successful if there was a stronger relationship, I'm not sure. I know some teams do like double headers, don't they? They'll like play the women or play first, and and then the men come on or, or vice versa. Yeah, they occasionally do that, and they did that with the Melbourne Victory Canberra United match this season. I, I think oh. Can I guess right? Maybe it was round eight, but you know, there's there's not a Canberra United A League team, and I think it was Melbourne Victory and, and Melbourne City. So theoretically, it's a big lead up. There were probably fourteen thousand fans, I think, turned up early to watch the the women play, and that's fantastic. But yeah, I, it's not often that it happens, and there are a lot of people that actually think it's not a great idea. It's better to just know actually promote and publicize the women's game separately mm. um again i'm i'm somewhat on the fence with that i i think we just need to work out what works and sometimes to work out what works you need to give it a go yeah i think for, for what i always think i think it's better to have the women's game playing first because if the men go on first and lose everyone's downhearted and go home but if if the women are on first i think that that gets people into the stadium earlier so i think that's yeah that's I think you're right in that, but yeah, it's whether or not they publicise it well. I mean, they say you get free entry and yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know that it's a completely viable way of doing it, certainly in Australia, but maybe maybe they just need to fine-tune it a little bit before it actually becomes a closer to perfection. Yeah, yeah. well, so just, just, just for the record then, this um, ABC are still covering it for the rest of this season, are they? Absolutely. They, they don't want to have anarchy on their hands. We're <laughs> coming into finals, so that would be frightening if they decided not to cover it. Particularly, you know, one of the semi-finals will be in Perth, so for many of us there's very little chance that we would fly out that far to watch the semi. Um, and if the, the grand final is out there as well, probably the same thing. It, it's certainly it's a lot of time and it costs a lot of money and, yeah, it's maybe not a great thing for crowds that we're such a big country but yeah oh well it does yeah. happen so yeah they will um cover the last couple of matches and then after that next season there won't be any coverage yeah well let, let's hope something materializes with, with the streams and stuff then but um coming on, on onto the field it's um two teams as you said two teams have qualified but the next three it's an absolute dogfight isn't it to, to claim those last two spots yeah, it is. So Melbourne victory, it was great news for them that their last match just before heading off to the International World Women's Club Championships in Japan, that they managed to get three points against Newcastle. So that was a good result and probably take a little bit of the panic away from me anyway. Um, but yeah, there are three clubs, Sydney, Canberra and Newcastle are all pretty close on the ladder. Um, 17 points for Sydney and Canberra and then Newcastle's on 16. 
So big result today was Canberra lost to Brisbane, who keep improving, but it's just a little bit too late. Yeah. So they didn't get any points out of that match, which would have helped them. And I think next week Canberra actually play Perth. And tomorrow Sydney play Perth. So, yeah, they've both got some big matches coming up. Newcastle today, they played Adelaide and they came away as expected with three points. But, yeah, it's, it's not all smooth sailing. And I think next week... Newcastle play Sydney. So there's actually a couple of really important matches coming up and we won't know until that last minute, I suppose, who's heading off to where. No, no it's good, isn't it? I mean, Sydney with FC women, they've got two games in hand, but like, so one of them's Perth, so that gonna that, you'd have thought that's going to be a struggle to get anything out of that. And then it, it's a tough one, isn't it, really? I mean, I, I suppose you wouldn't have thought at the start of the season that Newcastle would be in, in with a chance of the playoffs with, with one game to go. No, I definitely wouldn't have thought that. And Newcastle are a big surprise, and I suppose Brisbane are the other big surprise. But In the Brisbane other way, are yeah. really finding their form a little bit later, and that's unfortunate for them. Newcastle have been playing pretty well all season, but they've had you know some not hiccups. Certainly, when they played Melbourne last round, they just didn't come with anything. They they just didn't seem like the Newcastle that we've seen a couple of times they were just a completely different side out there even though it was the exact same people so yeah but hopefully they're back on their game and yeah get some points I I don't really know I think Newcastle would be a big threat I think Sydney and Canberra you know we tend to know a little bit more about them and, and maybe that makes me personally feel a little bit more confident about whichever team plays them but Newcastle they just seem to be there could be any team on the day, and, mm. and that's that's exciting and scary. Yeah, well, they've, they've won five and lost five, and just drawn the other one. So it really could, you know, really could go either way. But considering where they were last season to this, it's it's been a staggering turnaround, hasn't it? The coach has done a it, phenomenal job yeah. there. Absolutely, it has been. The W League this season has been a bit crazy, to be honest. I mean, Perth have only dropped one match, and they dropped that one match to Adelaide, and, mm. you know, that's a big surprise. Adelaide had some really good results, but they've only had three wins, and, yeah, it's been a tough season for them. The Wanderers, they've played some good football, but they've only got two wins. And then Brisbane is, just like I said earlier, the hugest shock that you could imagine with only three wins and two draws. So, yeah, just it's it's been a crazy season. I suppose at the end of it, Perth should be really happy that they've done so fantastically well to get where they are, and they'd be heading into finals looking like, yeah, yeah <laughs> probably that... the team to beat. Melbourne have made it there, and that's the other thing. Once you're there, the mm. story's a little bit different. I mean, the home and away season is, you know, you have to get the points to qualify, but once you're there, just play the best on the day, and then you're up to the next match, and that's all you need. Well, that, that's the thing I was thinking. With Perth, they qualified a long time ago. They've not really had any pressure games. They've not been in a situation where they've had to win. So I do think if you're coming into the playoffs, if you could grab that last spot, because basically you're playing, it's a playoff game already, isn't it, next week? So I think that helps you taking that momentum in, whereas Perth probably haven't got that. So it's not going to be... Yeah, that's <laughs> probably the only thing that we can say that might appease the spirits against Perth. But yeah, I think... You know, Melbourne for me, and I am very biased, so I have to say that, but Melbourne have been good in how they've been able to not necessarily play great football, but they've been able to win. So, you know, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. If you bank those three points, they're banked. People can't take them off you and say, oh, no. you didn't play very pretty. So, yeah. And I think that in finals football is so important that if you go a goal down, you know you can come back. 
And um, one thing, impressive thing with Melbourne, we, we spoke about it before we came on air, is that um, there was obviously a, a couple of issues with players getting banned, but it looks like the, the team's kind of gelled together and, and put that behind them, haven't they? Yeah, and I think part of that was through good management from the coach, Joe Montemuro, so that was really, really important. But they've also got Steph Catley, who's an incredibly good leader. They've got a number of good leaders, I suppose, in the team, and... Lisa Devanna, she was one of the players, obviously, that was suspended, but she's such a professional that, you know, I'm really pleased to see that she's switched it back on and she knows that they need to get games and win games. And she she's played brilliantly, I think, since that moment. She was pivotal in the Newcastle Jets match. She's now, I think, is she Melbourne's highest scorer? She's leading in assists. It's either her or Christine Nairn, so... You know, she's been such an instrumental player for Melbourne and apart from obviously a little hiccup and a suspension, it's hopefully going really well and hopefully it'll go brilliantly well in Japan. Yeah, that leads on nicely to the um, World Club Championship. So um, this is there's like a couple of Japanese sides, there's Melbourne and, and Arsenal, I believe, over there, isn't there? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a little bit sketchy in details, and I'm struggling. I don't um, read or speak Japanese, so when you head off to the <laughs> website, it's all in Japanese, but we're hoping that we might be able to see a stream, but at the very worst, we'll be able to follow the tweets, which is what we do in, in W League anyway most of the time, so mm. that'll be exciting to to keep an eye on that, and I think the match is, for us, it's coming up very soon, and hopefully it's not one game and out. Hopefully we get a chance to play the next match as well. Yeah, I mean Arsenal's um, got some guest players in for some reason. They've not. It's they've got a uh, Yale Averbush from the US and uh, Rachel Brown, a goalkeeper from Everton, which seems quite strange given they've already got two goalkeepers on their list. But I think Arsenal's been invited because they've got a couple of Japanese players. So I assume this tournament must be quite big in Japan. Yeah, and I think so as well. So last season, I think we had Sydney head off there, and you know that's fantastic. They did quite well. But we want to go one better than them and we want to win the whole thing. And, and I think it's it's just a brilliant opportunity for the team to get out there and have an opportunity to play against other international clubs. And, you know, generally, if you're not in the Matildas, you don't, I don't know, you don't get that interne- international experience. But if you're if you win your league, your national league, and then you get off and have that opportunity, I think it's fantastic, a really good educational experience. Hmm. I think this has got a, this has a, um, a lot of potential, I think if they had like the European champions and then the NWSL champions and then the W League champions and then the champions from Japan, it could really grow into something that's, um, that, that's quite fun to watch. Yeah, it comes down to money and whether or not someone can make a dollar out of it. And if they can, then they'll broadcast it. If they can't, then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's they probably won't even get some of the big clubs out there. But I, I'm happy that Melbourne Victory is out there. I'm happy they'll have an opportunity to play. They're playing good football right now, and, and that's great because they did have a bit of a slump. Um, go out there and see how they go. Yeah, it'd be great. I like, good, great to see them do well and then come back and hopefully bring that form into the uh, playoffs and stuff. Yeah, so that's the other thing, I suppose. They're playing more games than the other um, teams in the W League are playing, so they might come back a little bit tired. But I think um, Joe Montemuro has actually been talking about the, the depth and the quality of the squad, and we're hoping that through that depth we can continue to keep playing and, and minimise the impact. But I know in the past, probably for both Sydney and Canberra for the past two years, it, it has been a little bit tough. So we just have to see how well it's managed for Melbourne heading over there. But 
it's such an important experience and the W League's important as well. It's more that, you know, learn something from it, build on it and, yeah, keep your football nice and happy and smart and see how you go in the finals. Okay, that's great stuff. Well then, we won't um, won't keep you any longer. But um, thank you for coming on anyway, Cheryl, and chatting, giving us another W update. And, and we'll certainly have you on again to chat about the playoffs when when they're concluded or, or semi-finals or whatever. Absolutely, it's very exciting stuff. First of all, I want to apologize to Cheryl for I think the, the last part of that interview got cut off before she could say her goodbyes. So I'm sorry about that, oh, Cheryl. So yeah, so in it's it's getting down to the wire now. That's exciting. We've got Perth Glory and Melbourne. Yep, we're yep. looking at the ladder. So, so, so we got Canberra, Sydney, Newcastle. Sydney, right. have, yes. Now, Canberra, Sydney, and Newcastle. Canberra and Sydney each have seventeen points. Uh, Newcastle has sixteen. So, obviously, three into two doesn't go. So, somebody's going to miss out. We've only got one round of matches left, and that's next weekend on the sixth of December. Sydney FC women host the Newcastle Jets, and Canberra United play Perth Glory. If Canberra and Sydney both win then they're definitely into the playoffs if Canberra lose to Perth and Sydney and Newcastle draw then Canberra will go out and Sydney and Sydney and Newcastle will be in but whoever wins out of that Newcastle that Newcastle Sydney game I mean it's been set up beautifully this hasn't it for the last round of games I guess it's a question for Cheryl but I wonder if Perth's going to be playing like full squad or yeah it's a tough one isn't it that I mean I, I, if I was a Perth manager I'd be tempted to rest one or two players but then again if you've got momentum and form, you want to keep your squad together. So I really don't know. But it's going to be tough for Canberra to get anything out of that, isn't it? Although they are at home. So they're at home. It's in there. They'll be pretty fired up for that one. But I don't know. Even I, I'm not going to predict who have, which two teams are going to get there. But it'd be fascinating to be at that Sydney versus Newcastle game, wouldn't it? Newcastle. Can you imagine? They won one game last season. Yeah, well, one point, wasn't it? Didn't you? Yeah. They didn't oh, yeah. They didn't win a game. They just got that one draw. I say it's tough, isn't it? Who to who you really want to because who you want to go to? I mean, I'd like to see Newcastle into the playoffs, but I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Canberra, I think they're the independent team, aren't they? I don't think they've got a link to an eight league team, or so they might have, but I don't. I think they are. And then you've got Sydney FC. I don't know. I'm not going to predict anything. I mean, my, my team's blown out big style, so um, <laughs> so yeah. I like what Cheryl said about that nobody really knows what to expect from Newcastle. I think that's almost dangerous because you don't know what you're going to get from them, right? You get like this team that's going to fall apart, yeah, or a mean, team that's going to... One, one five, lost five, drawn one. Yeah, you really don't know. Again, they have to travel to Sydney, so you'd have thought Sydney at home will fancy their chances, but who knows? I mean, it's, um, it's going to be really exciting, isn't it, that... I'm oh, sorry, it's, it's pointless me coming in and chatting about the playoffs, is it? Because my team's bombed out. But if, uh, if you, and Cheryl, you and Cheryl will have to discuss the playoffs on, on the next show. Yeah, we know Cheryl is a big Melbourne victory fan. And she still kind of makes apologies for uh, Lisa Devanna. Did you notice that? She's like still elite in the Lisa Devanna camp. You know, she calls her a little hiccup. <laughs> she calls it. I like that. <laughs> her suspension. She had a little hiccup, but she's fine now. It's like... Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think they've done well, haven't they? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know it's not te- technically guaranteed yet, but Melbourne pretty much it would take a strange set of results for them not to ho- get a home playoff because of the goal difference. I mean, they're, they're on plus 11. Uh, Canberra and Sydney are, are both only on plus three. So uh, for all intents and purposes, I think Melbourne have got one home semi-final. Obviously, Perth have got the other. And then we, I don't know, we could have a Perth versus Melbourne final for you two to, to, um, to discuss. That would be fun. 
Well, and while we're talking about the W League, another thing that, that Cheryl kind of touched on is another bad news for the women's soccer, I think, is that the W League lost their TV rights or they got their cut. They had cuts, so they're not going to be able to show any uh, W League games next season. But she seems kind of optimistic about it. maybe maybe it'll be parlaying into some type of streaming video, maybe YouTube or something Hopefully. like that. Hopefully, I think um, I think it'd be a good thing. It's, I mean, you, it, I don't know if it was in the interview, but we were chatting Cheryl and I before we went to air, and, and these cuts in the thing, like four hundred people are losing the jobs as well. So mm. it's it's a, it's a bad situation all around. I mean, I think it's women's basketball has been cut as well, but hopefully that the, um, they have the facilities because most of these teams are linked to a league side. So so hope hopefully something good will will come of that, and we'll get some some streams and stuff. But it'll. It's it's not a nice situation, is it? But hopefully, um, the greater good of the game will prevail, and, and it'll it'll be okay. But I think it's very much a case of wait and see. I don't know. There's you know in the NWSL, there's the good and the bad. Is some people really like the TV coverage, other people don't. Some people just want it to be online only. Uh, obviously, when it's online, it's more accessible to 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 more people. So yeah, yeah, it's a good good and bad. But we'll see. I've been listening to the W League on TuneIn Radio. You can also listen to oh, right. Women's World Football Show on TuneIn. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't know. I do now, though. <laughs> you should know. It's right on our website. Okay. Yeah, but you know me. I, I don't. Um, the technical technical side of the show is on your 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 watch, isn't it? Yeah. Which maybe I should get involved with, given the amount of technical goose that we have. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe if I put Sophie Schmidt's picture next to the TuneIn button, then you would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sophie Radio. There you go. Radio Sophie. So thanks again, Cheryl, for updating us on W League, and it's exciting. It's winding down. We'll have to find. We'll have her back on and talk about the playoffs next week at this time. Boy, next week at this time, Adam, we'll know all kinds of stuff. We'll have the women. Yes, draw. yes, yes. You two can update of Melbourne in their club club championship in Japan. That's right. That's interesting yeah. too. What did you think? What did you think to that idea? Then do you think it'd be great to get to get the NWSL champion, get it like a proper thing, like the NWSL champions come over and stuff? Do you think that'd be a goer? I think it would, and you know, it's not like they haven't done it before. I think uh, Sky Blue went over and played in Japan. Um, you know, the, some of the teams that have gone over and played in Japan. I'm not sure if it was when they were in the NWSL, but and you know, that's how they, that's how you create a fan, you know, fan base. More more teams go over to Japan or wherever they go. I think that's that's good. I'd love to see that. Very much so. So, and speaking of worldwide, we'll come back here to the States. We haven't talked anything about the States yet. Uh, but we did, um, but you know, our roving reporter, Alana Johnson, Alana AJ Johnson, she has a lot of nicknames. AJ, post-game Gator. <laughs> She's got a lot of stuff going on. Let's go Gators! Yeah, she was over in Boston. Uh, a while ago, and she went to the uh, the Beantown, a big rivalry between Boston University and Northeastern uh, a couple weeks ago, and I told her, hey, if you go to Boston, interview this young player by the name of Jamie Turchi, because she grew up out here in Southern California. She is uh, going to Boston University right now and, and graduate of Tesoro High School, where she was a standout soccer player. The good girl that she is, AJ, tracked down Jamie Turchi and talk to her for a few minutes. And so let's play her interview real quick. This was after BU actually lost that match 2-0. And uh, so not a, not, you know, it's always different when you're interviewing somebody who lost as opposed to somebody who won. But still, she was a good sport about it. So this is uh, AJ's interview with uh, Jamie Turchi. 
All right, so uh, the Terriers got off to a rocky start this season, um, having gone 4-3-1 and one after week eight. But after your 1-0 victory against Navy on September 22, you guys just totally turned around. What, what changed at that point? Uh, I think the team was just working on uh, getting better every single day. And we learned some lessons at the beginning of the season, and we knew what we wanted to do. And I think we just worked be to get better every single day, and it uh, showed in the games. Um, now, as a Southern California native, were you concerned or um, had any thoughts about getting acclimated to the weather here in Boston? Uh, my freshman year was uh, a bit of a surprise, but um, uh, the team has shown that we can, we can play through cold temperatures and snow, so uh, I just kind of grew into the team and the cold weather, so I got used to it. <laughs> Has it gotten any easier playing in temperatures like this? Yeah, it definitely degrees? got easier. It definitely got easier through the four years. Um, you just kind of put it out of your mind and when you focus on the game, you don't even notice. What do you miss most about uh, Orange County when you're here in Boston? Uh, I guess uh, I miss my family. They don't get to come out and visit very often. Um, and some warm weather, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite memory here at VU? Uh, um, probably just um, getting to be a part of three uh, uh, championship winning teams and um, getting to host the NCAA tournament all three times in the first round. Um, just that in general, I guess, is exciting. What would you say has been the most important thing you've learned under Coach Feldman? I just learned how to be a team player and uh, she really helped me become the leader that I was this year and um, just the team first mentality. Okay, last question. Uh, what are your plans after you graduate? Um, my plan for next year is to, I'm taking the year off and applying to dental school. So that should be in my future. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun to listen to these young kids, and uh, AJ's actually going out to the NCAA tournament in Gainesville, so she'll be getting some more interviews and talking to some more college players. It's fun to listen to them. They're young, and they're optimistic, and they're not old and jaded like me, Adam. So that's good. I think we had a full show. Oh, my goodness. I think we did, yes. Uh, uh, thank you for to Sophie and everybody else that came on the show. It was it was great to hear, hear them and everything. It's, um, it's, it's been, uh, I've enjoyed this week, uh, waking up and, and all that, but I'm babbling about Sophie again, obviously, so let's cut all that out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, John Herdman. Thanks, Gavin Day. Gerald Downs. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, Sophie. Jamie Kirchie. AJ Johnson. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Let you get back to your strip clubs and uh, right. gambling and whatever else you get up to in Las Vegas. You want more of my money, so I gotta go. Okay, I shall okay. see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, have fun. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.